Welcome to the season finale of Big Blue Avenue. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Hank and Dick. There's no Sam tonight. Um, we'll have her do some off-season live stream content with us. Appreciate all the support that we've gotten throughout the season. Hank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. This is always bittersweet for me to be doing the last live stream of the season, but I'm feeling better than I've been at the end of live streams now than I have been in uh, past seasons for reasons that are quite obvious to anybody who has been following our beloved New York football giants. But, uh, hey, at least we got the Rangers. But otherwise, uh, Tom, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. We have a lot in store for you folks tonight. Now, just a quick heads up. This is our last live stream, but we'll still be doing off-season content. We'll be, we'll be doing YouTube videos and all that. We may do an occasional special live stream, but just wanted to plug that for you folks. Um, if you're new to the show, make sure to check us out on all of our social media as well, on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Big Blue Avenue. YouTube is where we put up some exclusive videos on the New York Giants. And a quick reminder – Tonight's episode is presented by our sponsor, BetUS. You can sign up with our promo code below there, at join125. Get a 125% sign-up bonus where you can bet straight from your mobile device, on the go, anywhere, anytime. If you want to bet some props and um, you know money lines on the Super Bowl, BetUS is the place to go. That is America's number one favorite sports book for the game begins. So, Hank, let's get into some season recap. And quickly here, I just want to say – Three seasons into this show, um, this was by far the best one. The Giants started off the season 6-1 and one right from the get-go. The two-point conversion to win on the road against the Tennessee Titans to open up the season. Upsetting the Green Bay Packers in London. There were a lot of good stuff that happened in the first seven weeks of the season. But there was also some bad stuff, including injuries to some key players. Yeah, the Sterling Shepard injury I thought was really, really a killer. And it was kind of a sign of things to come. And, uh, you know, it limited the amount of targets that Daniel Jones had. And I thought, you know, over the course of the season, he was a guy that I think we really could have used. But Mm -hmm. you know what? You have to give the Giants credit. This was, I believe this was the week three Monday night game against the Cowboys. They did bounce back very well after that because you mentioned the Packers come back and upset win. And that was a game where Daniel Jones did very well, despite a lot of the limitations on offense. I mean, remember Saquon Barkley had to sit out during one during, I believe it was the tying drive because of his shoulder. And then you had Daniel Bellinger and I, who else do you have receiver was Richie James, one of your number one receivers it was it was pretty limited, so that's what makes the comeback against the Green Bay Packers all the more impressive. So, and then you had the Ravens comeback win as well. I thought that was really huge. That was an early sign that you know, despite a lot of the some of the lack of talent they had on their roster, that start was really important for the Giants going forward. It was because after the bye, the team only won three games. But let's talk about right before the bye. The Giants won back-to-back home games against the Baltimore Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars, two AFC playoff teams. So a lot of people say, oh, the Giants had a weak schedule. Wait a minute. Did you say the Jaguars were the home game? 
Jaguars was a road game, sorry, in Jacksonville. It felt yeah, like okay. a home game. It felt like a home game, though. Yes, yes, it did. It did feel like a home game because of the amount of Giant fans that were there. I almost went to that game. It was funny. I flew down to Jacksonville the week after that game. Remember? It was like late in late October. And, you know, it was nice. But you beat two playoff teams and then, you know, you come back, you get stood up by the Seattle Seahawks out west in week 18. Hank, I think that was a timely loss. That was an expected loss um, for a lot of people. But in the first half of the season, I think Saquon Barkley really stood out as the workhorse. He led the league in rushing. Andrew Thomas looked like the best left tackle in the NFL. Dexter Lawrence carried an ultra-paper-thin defensive front. And Daniel Jones played mistake-free football. And Hank, I believe he helped anchor four game-winning drives in the first half of the season. Yeah, I would say the uh, the Jaguars game, the Ravens game, the Packers game, and the Titans game too. Yeah, without a him, lot of games. I think you could definitely make a case that he was one of our more valuable players in, on the season. And look, if I'm being honest, I don't know how many other quarterbacks would have been able to get us off to that start. Like besides the elite ones, like the Patrick Mahomes and the Justin Herberts, but like. Daniel Jones definitely helped us early on, for sure. I really don't know um, how far off Daniel Jones is in that category at this point. Obviously, he's a little behind, but uh, he, he's not as far off as some people think. Um, I, I, I will say that. Now, I want to get into some uh, second-half notes here, but before we do that, we have some comments. Ben Cruz saying what's good. Hope y'all are well, Ben. Hope y'all are well as well, I know. Uh, your boy Tom Brady retired yesterday, so I know that probably a heartfelt moment for you, you know, watching him as your quarterback for 20 years. He, he, phenomenal player. Also, some of my best days um, in my life were because of Tom Brady. So thank you, Tom Brady, for two Super Bowls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see what I did there, Hank? <laughs> yes, I did. I knew exactly where you were going with that, but. In all seriousness, though, like, sorry if I'm going on a little bit of a tangent, but it really is kind of a bittersweet day, even if low-key I kind of was ready for him to go already because, like, two retirement press conferences, that kind of gets old after a while, does it not? But in any event, it's the end of an era. Like, all the quarterbacks that we grew up with are now gone. Yeah. It's it's definitely a monumental moment, and he says, Dable really changed the culture, which is huge. Um you know, I think that's that's something to build off of heading into next season. Players want to be with the Giants now. Um, Dable really changed the culture, and he says, I think if you add more pieces on both sides, you guys will keep getting better. And I think it, it really um, builds through the draft. You want to build through the draft, and Mike brings up a cool point here. Matt Breida, underrated backup too. O-line is shaping up, and the defense can win you games. And Daniel Jones could win you games. I mean, we got to give Daniel Jones some credit as well. Uh, you know, we know the defense was great under Wink Martindale this season, but, I mean, the amount of plays that Daniel Jones made this season really helped the Giants because, uh, Hank, we know after the bye, the Giants got into the meat of their schedule. They slipped, losing two of their first three games following the bye where they lost to the Lions at home and then at Dallas on Thanksgiving, and during that bye week, they lost Xavier McKinney during an ATV incident. 
So the Giants brought in an old friend in Landon Collins. They signed him to the practice squad, eventually made him an impact linebacker. But, hey, you would think Landon Collins was the best addition of the season, but he wasn't. It was a young gentleman by the name of Isaiah Hodgins that was the gem that Joe Shane found off the waiver wire this season. Yeah, and again, it was a satisfying pickup because – it silenced a lot of the critics that said, oh, the Giants need need wide receiver help. Giants need receiver help. Guess what? Not only did you get that wide receiver help, but that wide receiver help in Isaiah Hodgins probably was as productive as you might have gotten had you traded for, say, a Jerry Judy. And even better, and I, I understand Kadarius Tony is in the Super Bowl right now, but he still He's put hurt. up better numbers than Kadarius <laughs> Tony. No, he did. He did, and they replaced Tony in the draft essentially with Wandale. Yeah, we that, don't want to admit exactly. it at the time, but you know, I think trading Kadarius Tony is something I actually forgot to put in the script. So I'm glad you remembered that, Hank. Um, that's how irrelevant he was to me this season. I didn't even bother putting him in the script. He was irrelevant from the moment that he didn't respond well to Dable in practice. Yeah, I think you know what story I'm talking about. I do know what story you're talking about, yeah. Um, let's uh, look at some stuff here. Sean Militella, what's up, Sean? Make sure to check out Sean on the Off the Dome uh, Sports Network. He runs a good show there revolving around uh, Louisiana sports. What's the Giants' biggest need this offseason? Well, obviously, it's a it's um, it, it is wide receiver, but linebacker is an awfully close second. I think realistically, Hank, the Giants had the slowest wide receivers in the National Football League. And I think if you're really sold in on Daniel Jones, wide receiver is clearly the biggest need. I would tend to agree. However, I do want to point out that interior offensive linemen isn't something that we could ignore because, you know, other, other than Andrew Thomas, you look at the rest of that offensive line line core. Well, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it was better than some of the years of the older, older man who I will not name era at the same time, I would have to say, uh, you know, it still needs some work. And while I'm not really worried about, Evan Neal per se, I think definitely you need to beef up that offensive line. I mean, heck, look at look at a certain division of rival yours that is going to be playing in a little over a week. Yeah, and I That's think knowing the, the separation between the Giants and the Cowboys and the Eagles, um, Garth Michael Patrick says, good evening, gentlemen. What's up, Garth? Co-host of Puckin' Around, the Sweet Tea Show over on the Sports Box Network. Um, Coast of Puckin' Around on the Review and Preview Sports Network if you like hockey and some college sports talk. Make sure to go check out Garth on those two shows. Mike Santo agrees, a wide receiver and linebacker. Garth, for the love of God, get Daniel Jones some weapons at wide receiver this offseason. Janitors and McDonald's workers aren't going to cut it. Oof. Well, I think a lot of those guys won't be coming back next season. Uh, I would agree ben with Cruz that. Ben Cruz says, I'm really excited to see one. Sorry, Hank, I'm a little uh, laggy here. I might have to reconnect if this continues. But Ben Cruz says, I'm really excited to see Wandale come back for you. 
Next year, he was a Swiss Army knife on your offense and brought great speed. And Hank, you remember that game he tore his ACL? I think it was against was it Jacksonville or Houston? It was one or the other. No, it was Detroit. A, I was at that game. Detroit. He had over a hundred receiving yards. Yeah, Wandell Robinson, Swiss Army Narf is one description. I would go as far as to say he could be a critical yeah. chess piece in that offense. I'd agree with that. Uh, Real Cole G, Steve Ellis, what's up, Steve, with the comment? Landon should have had more snaps than Jalen Smith and Jared Davis. I do agree. Um, Jalen Smith was brought in because he was on the team last year. He had familiarity with some of the players. Jared Davis, again, last second ad. Really couldn't expect much from him. Um, yeah, he's gone. Uh, they're they're saving that six and a half million dollars to let him go. Steve agrees with us. He says John Feliciano needs to go. Yes, he does. He he was not a good center. He's really a guard. Um, again, he was a one year stopgap. That's what he was, and they wanted consistency for Daniel Jones learning the uh, offense. You know and. Dable being familiar with him, Shea Tierney being familiar with him, Bobby Johnson as well. They figured, let's get Feliciano on the Giants. But, Hank, back to the recap here. They rebounded. I don't want to say they necessarily rebounded, but they got back with a tie against Washington. They got bombed by the Eagles, and all of a sudden this 6-1 and one team is now sitting at 7-5-1. and one. Um they lost to Dory Jackson. Remember, he got injured returning that punt. And it led to a Sunday night football showdown against the Washington football team. And, you know, that was just two weeks removed from the tie. And I think, Hank, you could agree that the Giants ultimately saved their season by winning that football game and put themselves in the driver's seat for the NFC sixth, sixth seed. Yeah, I agree. Once they won that game, they were sitting pretty because essentially that was their only division win of the season. I would say that they probably should have swept Washington, but that's mm-hmm. neither here but at, neither here nor there. But at the end of the day, that was when Kayvon Thibodeau had, in my opinion, one of his signature games thus far. He had that big... Uh, strip sack touchdown which was a good throwback to ocu Minora back in the day by the way and then it was you had that controversial moment at the end of the game but you and i already talked about that fibs was poked in the eye during that play and washington was lucky to even get that playoff and i honestly think that if fibs was not poked in the eye he would have easily not only would he have gotten the sack, he might have very well gotten gotten the fumble recovery as well. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I think that's a great point to bring up. Um, so after that, the Giants had an impressive outing on Christmas Eve, but they fell just a little short in Minnesota thanks to a 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph. The following week on New Year's Day, uh, the Giants blow out Indianapolis Colts 38 to 10 clinching their first playoff berth since 2016 Daniel Jones gets a standing ovation accounting for four total touchdowns and it was the Giants not the Eagles who rested their backups in week 18 and that led the Giants to the playoffs where Hank 
just being back in the playoffs this season really shows how far this team came along and not just making the playoffs, but winning a playoff game, knocking off the third seeded Minnesota Vikings in the wild card round behind a career performance from Daniel Jones, solidifying him as a franchise quarterback, not just from giant sources, giant sources have solidified him before that, but from external sources around the league, getting the nationwide respect that he really deserves and you know big blue hank they got their revenge from christmas eve so that was an awesome moment for the giants beating the vikings in the playoffs for daniel jones for saquon barkley for the entire team really absolutely it was i amazing this was like the first time i really got to like well we really got to see meaningful games in september and then to see them in the playoffs and I know I probably told you this at the beginning of uh, one of our shows, but like when they beat the Vikings in that playoff game, oh my gosh, I was literally doing one of the biggest victory laps I did in a long time. I was just running all all around the house celebrating, and like I ended up, I ended up giving my mom a big hug after that. It was pretty awesome. Beating the Vikings was definitely awesome, and our third co-host is saying hello. Sam, what's up, Sam? Hi, guys. Happy last show with the Blue Heart. Sam, appreciate you, as always. Um, yeah, um, Sam, you know what? I, I, I got to say, this season with the three of us ho- hosting all back together was definitely awesome. And getting to witness a playoff run, the three of us together, and going week in and week out, hosting shows and doing all this stuff was such a lot of fun. We're going to continue to do off-season content. It just won't be live. Um, you know, we'll kind of take things as it goes. But um, appreciate you, Sam, for tuning in, watching the show. Uh, Chris Gomez says, what's up, Chris? How are you? Um, I say Jones, three or four years. Agreed. Franchise tag, Barkley. Could definitely see that happening. Resign Love. Okay. Nothing crazy, but... I would sign Tremaine Edmonds. I could see that happening. 24 years old. They need a linebacker. He's from Buffalo. And trade for Higgins, Keep Hodgins, and James. I would not trade for T. Higgins. I would not trade for yeah. T. Higgins. That, 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 that's the one thing I might disagree with on that one because I think you're reaching too soon to acquire talent. Uh, the difference between the 05 Giants signing Plexico and the team now is that the team has a lot of cap space and that team was more ready to go in and win than this one was. Um, I think realistically the giants need to build through the draft, maybe sign a a lower profile receiver. Um, You you, see, it's easier said than done because I think Higgins is entering a contract year and it's likely the Bengals won't, won't be able to retain him, but I don't know if I'm for that, Hank. I don't know about you. I think we have to worry about locking up Jones and Barkley first before we even entertain that idea. And I would rather go and get a guy like a Jordan Addison or a Jalen Hyatt or a Zay Flowers in the draft, a guy that we could have on a cost-controlled deal for four, maybe even five years if he's a first-rounder. Yeah, I think as much as I would love the idea of having T. Higgins, I think you really have to look at how that could be a mortgaging of the future. I don't know Mm -hmm. that the Giants are really quite there yet with regards to 
acquiring a receiver of his caliber. But I mean, that being said, like, I don't hate the idea because at the same time, I don't hate it either. He would, he's a better receiver than who we, than anyone we had this past year. Like, right. And look what he did in the playoff game to play devil's advocate a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. against the first round rookie, Trent McDuffie. He was pretty good. Um, yeah. I know he saw a little bit of him. So, yeah, I mean, I respect that thought, Chris. I, I think it could definitely happen. Uh, Trey Edmonds, though, that would be a great get. Tremaine Edmonds, yeah, yeah. What is your opinion on Kayvon Thibodeau, the way he's kind of painted himself as a villain amongst fans and players? I don't think he's a villain. I, I, I really don't. I don't know where that has come from specifically, maybe because he talks a lot and the whole Joe Staley drama on, on Twitter. I don't think he should have went and did that, but he, he's young. He grew up with social media. Young guys are going to say dumb things. It, this is not an Odell level type of thing. You know, I, I'm not too worried right now. Yeah, I I mean, look, should he maybe I, – I, the only thing I really think he should do is just do his research on guys like Joe Staley and Jeff Saturday, even though I do agree that Jeff Saturday <laughs> yeah. probably shouldn't have been a coach in the first place. But that's neither here nor there. Selfishly, I want Jeff Saturday to stay yeah. only because it means we're not going to lose Wink or Kafka. Yeah, I agree. Um now that being Big said, Blue, I he's going to be an absolute star for a lot for years to come. Yes, uh, that very factual. But just to wrap up the recap, unfortunately, the revenge from Christmas Eve it was short lived as the Giants' season came to a crash landing, as a lot of people like to put it. Six days later, down the turnpike in Philadelphia, they lost to the Eagles thirty-eight to seven in the NFC divisional round, finishing the season at ten, eight, and one. And Hank. Now this brings us to our high and our low moment of the season. I, and I want to start with your high. What was your high moment of the 2022 season for the New York Giants? I mean, I have a good amount of them. I think an honorable mention has to obviously go to week one because that really set the tone. I mean, the Giants were down by a lot at halftime. And look, any other year, that probably would have been a guaranteed loss. Not with Brian Dable. They somehow found a way. Daniel Jones bounced back after that interception. They took the lead with the two-point conversion. Then you had the missed field goal. That's up there. So are the Packers and the Ravens comebacks. But for me personally, and partially because I was at this game too, would have been the Week 17 against the Indianapolis Colts. I have never been to a game at MetLife where the atmosphere was more party-like. party It was a blowout victory, something that is also extremely rare in Giants history. In fact, if you look at the games they played since 1979, I think only 20% of the Giants' wins have been by like more than three touchdowns. So the fact that we had breathing room and you knew they were going to clinch a playoff spot, and after all those years of mm-hmm. just so many embarrassing moments, it felt so special. So I, I think I have to go with the Colts game, although the Vikings game has to be up there too, for sure. Yeah, my high moment was getting back to the playoffs and that Colts game uh, following that blowout. Again, Daniel Jones had, had a career game in that one. The Giants defense really showed out. Um, they nearly 
pitched a blowout, uh, a shutout, I should say. And then just all around, the coaching was fantastic. Now, Hank, what was your low? My low might be different from yours, believe it or not. Because while I also I also happened to sit in some cold and rainy weather when they got blown out by the Philadelphia Eagles, I would also have to point to the Lions game as a bit of a low because if there was any game that could have really derailed this season, I would say that was the game because that was one that like you and I knew that game pretty much reeked of being a trap. And then that was not only the game where Adore Jackson got hurt, you lost Wandell Robinson. Like it seemed like they pretty much were going to have a mat. We're having a mash unit. Like when you got to the Thanksgiving game against Dallas and again, any other coaching staff, there's there the season's pretty much over after that Lions game, no? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think things would have started to trend downward after that. I mean, um, you knew you knew they were going to trend downward inevitably based on who was on the roster, but just the way that that Lions game was, it would it. I don't know. It was pretty brutal. We won the games we had to to make a playoff appearance, and we did that. My low point was losing to the Eagles in Week 14, um, reminding us that this team is still a year or two away um, from being, you know, a a legitimate contender. So I'd say closer to two years maybe. Um, But they were a, a year ahead of schedule. I think next year they could be a legitimate playoff threat again. And we'll see even more improvement with a possibility of maybe, hey, maybe they do reach an NFC championship game. Who knows? Um, I don't think the team will be Super Bowl ready next year, but I think they're going to be closer to that than away from it, if you get my gist there. But I think that that loss in week 14 to Philly was really embarrassing. And that was a point where, again, similar to the Detroit game, you're like, where is this season going? You know, like we weren't sure and we had to rebound. Um, my dad commenting saying great show guys and gal. Yeah. No Sam tonight. So just guys, but Sam is in the comment section. Um, appreciate it. Um, Sam says, can't wait for the off season and next year. Um, I agree with this, Steve. This is a great comment. Um, yes, I, we're definitely not a piece away. Um, do you think Kenny Galladay can be successful elsewhere or is he completely cooked? It's a tough question to answer, Hank, because we really haven't seen much of him the last two years, you know? Well, I'll, let me give you another question. Could this bad contract have exposed the fact that maybe he was simp- he simply benefited from having Matthew Stafford as his quarterback for a while? Maybe. I don't know. I think the Lions offensive style was more to pass the ball. And plus, they they were a bad football team when he was there. I mean, they've usually always been a bad football team. They trailed late in a lot of games. And, um, you know, I just think the Giants last year, they didn't use him that much, even though I believe he led the team in receiving yards. But still, that's besides the point. Um, Sam says, I just don't want to draft another receiver when we need a star. Hopefully Isaiah can be that guy for us. (sighs) Yes, but we can develop a star, I think, rather than trading for one. 
You know what I mean? Especially if we extend both Jones and Barkley, the window is now expanded for this football team. Um, as we're, if you go out and trade for T Higgins, you have to worry about Dexter. You have to worry about Thomas. You have to worry about McKinney. Those are three guys you definitely want to retain. I would uh, imagine, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but um, I'm not fully against the, the T Higgins idea. I'm just not really on board with it right now. KT. I love that guy. Need that energy. Just so we clarify Kayvon Thibodeau and not Kadarius Tony. Um, my dad says Aaron Rodgers to the jets. We'll see. We'll see. My dad's a big jets fan. Um, why do you guys think about McKinney? What do you guys think about McKinney changing agents? Do you think he's going to try and force Giants into an extension? That's an interesting question. I haven't really thought much into that, Chris. Um, I have to look more into that. I haven't really noticed. Um, I know he changed his agent, but I haven't really thought much into it yet. I think right now the pecking order for next year, definitely Dexter before X and I'd imagine Thomas gets the fifth year option. That would be my prediction. So we'll see, but Hank, let's get into some team news before we get into our season awards. Say goodbye to running back Sandro Platzgummer. He announced via social media. He will no longer be a giant. Sad to see him go. Never really caught his footing with the team. Again, international pathway program player just didn't work out. The giants are too talented at the running back position. Hopefully he can land the job elsewhere in the NFL. Uh, Joe Shane stated that the team has started contract negotiations running back Saquon Barkley, but not Daniel Jones. Hank, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. Uh, This is nothing but saying that they're trying to negotiate with Saquon. This has nothing to do with them not wanting to bring back Daniel Jones. They just want to negotiate with Saquon right now. I mean, again, there's two ways to look at this. I think maybe – the Giants seem to be more confident that they're going to be able to bring back Daniel Jones, which makes sense because mm-hmm. you and I both have that vibe that Daniel Jones isn't going to be one of those guys that, you know, yeah. is going to like be too demanding for a certain amount of money. I think you, you could tell Daniel Jones legitimately enjoys being here. You never really once heard him complained. He's a true leader. And look, now that he finally has a system that really works for him, I don't see how he'd want to like be in any rush to get those contracts. So it's not something that I'm really worried about. As for uh, Saquon Barkley, I think he's a guy that might be some someone you do you might want to worry about just a bit, if only because you know how much of a star he is, and he's a guy that could be demanding a good amount of money. But with that being said, I would have a feeling he's probably going to get the franchise tag, which is only a little bit over ten million dollars for a running back. So they'd be spending Mm -hmm. less on the tag against next year's cap. Rather, if they were to extend him, you're probably looking at 13 to 14 million a year. So they would save three to 4 million if they tag him this year. Plus you're maximizing a running back. I mean, if you think about it, you draft a star running back in the first round, which is not common. Four years as a rookie, you give him the fifth-year option, and if you get him on a tag for that sixth year, that's six years of a running back's career. That is over half of majority of running back's careers in the NFL, and that's a great way to maximize the 
longevity of a running back, especially a star running back like that without having to pay too much money for him. What's up, Kenny? We need a DT next to Sexy Dexy that can stop the run and stay healthy. Yes, I do agree. We definitely. There's a kid from Baylor that I like in this draft. There's a couple more. Um, yeah, we have to stop the run. That's another area we have to focus on. I think the second-level linebackers, too, are, are important. He says, go get Patrick Queen from the Ravens. He knows Wink's system. I think Was Queen a 2021 pick? I think so. So he's been no, there for two years. We would have to – he was 2020, so he's on a contract yes. here. Uh-huh. That would make more sense than T. Higgins, in my opinion. And the reason I know, because I remember when we mentioned him, when we had um, – oh, what's her name? Kaylin McCarthy on a couple years yes. ago when we had our first season. I do agree. Um Hodgins is a number two, in my opinion. You still need a one build through the draft. Yeah, I think Hodgins do has the ability of being a number two. Um, definitely a guy who can take take some attention away from a star receiver. Who are some guys the Giants from the Giants that could be on the trade block? Well, um, they're not trading Kenny Galladay. I don't know right now. I really don't. Um, I don't have a really good answer for that, Hank. Um, because a lot of their guys were only signed to like one year deals. So I I don't think we're in a position to, I think the one guy we wanted to trade away, we did. And that was Tony. Um, you know, Galladay hasn't proven other teams that he's worthy of anything in return right now. So, you know, um, he deserves it, but McKinney was hurt. But what he was hurt, McKinney is fine. Yes. Um, also, Hank, another comment this week. Julian Love said Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni has had a free ride to the Super Bowl. What do you make of this? I think this was a dumb, boneheaded move by Julian Love that should not have been said on news media. They will tear you up here. Um, and I think, you know, that's why you appreciate people like Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. They're leaders. They don't talk all this stuff. And you just lost to them three times this season. That's not, I respect Julian Love. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I like the kid a lot, but that's something you shouldn't say, in my opinion. No, like, I understand. I mean, look, is he necessarily wrong that they may have had a golden wrong, golden road? Uh, No, but at the same time, if you're trashing a team that is so oh, I don't know playing in the Super Bowl and has I don't know eight Pro Bowlers and you know as much as I hate to say it boat raced you three times, mm-hmm. not your best idea. And you know, and you just know, and you know Steve what that brings up a good point. That's, You know what that's probably going to do? That's probably going to give the Eagles just some added motivation, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, whiteboard material or clipboard material, whatever you want to call it. Um, I agree with this, um, with Leonard Williams having him take a pay cut. Yes, I think that's what's going to happen, Steve, to answer that question. But quickly here, before we bring on our guest of the evening, we have a really special segment tonight, so we hope you stay tuned for that, folks. Our season awards. 
Hank, we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up to the top. Folks, just so the way the rest of the show is going to go tonight, we're going to reveal our season awards. We're going to have a special guest come on and do a presentation. And then we're going to do our top 10 player reveal from the 2022 season. So we hope you all stay tuned for that. Hank, who is your rookie of the year for the New York football giants and why? Well, if I'm being honest, this one is a no brainer. I have to give it to Kayvon Thibodeau. And the reason being sure the sack total was not high, but the bigger the games in the season, the stronger he was. And you may not have always seen it like with the sack total, but there was always a chance that he was going to be there to get pressure on the quarterback. And more often than not, I like, and tell me if I'm wrong, he was held. He should have had a lot more sacks. I do agree. Um, He definitely brought a new energy to the defense, so to speak. Yeah, it was definitely a much needed juice of energy as well. And that's why he's also my rookie of the year. Um, yes, only four sacks, but if you look at the quarterback hits and the pressure rate, and if you look at the film, yeah, he should have had more than four sacks this season. Um, you know, I, I think him and Aziz Ojolari were fierce off the edge. He was our first draft pick uh, in this 2022 NFL draft. If you look at the other rookies, a lot of them were hurt this year. Cordell Flott missed a lot of time. Marcus McKeith and Darian Beavers were both placed on season-ending IR. Juan Dale only played like four or five games this year. Evan Neal, um, I wouldn't pick him over Kayvon. So it's really an obvious choice if you think about it. You know, Daniel Bellinger had some good moments scoring a couple touchdowns, being a good security blanket, nice blocker in the run game. Bellinger probably would have been my runner-up. Um, but I'm going Kayvon here. I think Kayvon is my rookie of the year. So – one for one on that. We both picked the same guy. Uh, most underwhelming player on the team this year. This might be an area where we kind of disagree. And you know what? I am going to say Kenny Galladay. And the reason I say that is because this is really based on the contract that he is being paid. Like, There was a good part of me that was hoping that maybe he would improve on those numbers. I mean, look, year one, it was, it was a disaster all around, all around. You could maybe like understand it the first time, but the second year, I think where my hopes kind of went down may have been that clip in the preseason where he was just standing there, like not even blocking one of the jets defenders. And then there was the fact that he just, eventually reached a point where you couldn't even use him as your first, as your uh, number one receiver. And I'm sorry, but that's a damn shame. And this guy might not only be one of the biggest free agent busts, I would say probably the biggest free agent bust in giants history, because again, I, the giants really don't usually have those terrible free agents. He's probably one of the biggest free agent busts in NFL history too. Yeah, and that's and not that's an exaggeration. Why, well, that's why I'm not picking him because I didn't have very big expectations for him this season anyway. Um, okay. I had higher expectations for Evan Neal, and that's why I'm going with him as my most underwhelming player. I thought he would have regained his footing a little bit midseason. He improved a lot at times, but he also had a game where he gave up three sacks. 
Um, you know, the right side of the line was not good this year. Um, I, I, I just would have hoped for more out of him. That Dallas game in week three where Jones was running for his life, there was a big issue on that. I know Neil missed some time with an injury as well. I'm confident that he will do much better next season and take that sophomore step, but definitely a little underwhelming only because we picked him at number seven overall. And there were guys drafted after him that had better seasons. I wouldn't even argue that, you know, he didn't perform like the best tackle um, in this year's NFL draft. So that's why I think a little underwhelming for Evan Neal. That's totally fair. I think Evan Neal, while most improved, well, I agree that he had his, his, um, sorry to cut you off, uh, that he had his uh, growing pains. I think, like to think we see some improvement out of Evan Neal. Like, I think the potential is still there. Yes, agreed. Who is your uh, most improved? I would have to go with uh, Dexter Lawrence. I think over the course of the few years he was here, he slowly became one of our most important pass rushers and seven and a half sacks, it's career high. And without a doubt, we have to bring him back. We cannot let him fall into the cycle of, um, of defensive tackles that we let go after the rookie contracts. No, I don't think he will. Um, I, I was going to pick him as most improved because you look at what he did under this new coaching staff but I'm only going to go with Julian Love because he went from a guy who didn't really have a defined role last year to a guy who led the the, the team in tackles. So I realistically think that um, Julian Love is my most improved player. Again, he had some bad moments out there, but he was a captain. Um, when McKinney was out with the injury, he really stepped up. And the secondary really wasn't as much of a problem this year as a lot of people made it out to be. Um, there were other problems on the defense, particularly stopping the run with the linebackers and the uh, interior line outside of Dexter Lawrence. So, you know, those were more concerning for me than the safety play. Um, so I'm going Julian Love. Next up, Hank, we have three more that we're going to bring up our guest. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, defensive player of the year. I got to give it to the same guy. I'm sorry, but like, you know, while, while Thibodeau got better over the course of the season, I think the reason I ultimately can't put him ahead over ahead of Dexter Lawrence is because Dexter Lawrence was the one that had the most consistent production on our defense by far. So that's probably, I would say that's also a no brainer. Yeah. Um, my defensive player of the year is also Dexter Lawrence outstanding year, seven and a half sacks, uh, the best nose tackle in the national football league this year. Um, he, he was just outstanding. You know, I know Aaron Donald was hurt this year, but I mean, outside of Aaron Donald, maybe Chris Jones, I put Lawrence above Chris Jones at this point. Um, the freakish athleticism of a 340 pound defensive lineman is something that cannot go unnoticed. Um, he's going to his first Pro Bowl, well-deserved. Um, I'm very happy for him. I believe he's a first-team All-Pro, no? Is he first-team or second-team? I'm trying to remember. Um, but, yeah, he was an All-Pro this season. So that's definitely – if somebody remembers, shoot it in the comments. But, yeah, he, he was up there. So 
He's my defensive player of the year. Moving on to offensive player of the year. Hank, what do you got? Offensive player of the year. Now, this one might be semi-controversial, but you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say Andrew Thomas. And the reason being is because in one half of the season, you could make the case that Saquon Barkley was the guy carrying the Giants offense. But there were other parts where you could say that Daniel Jones was carrying the offense. But the one guy who was consistently a pillar for our offensive attack was definitely Andrew Thomas. And not to mention, he has become one of, if not the best left tackles in the NFL. So that's why I'm going to go out of the box. That's a good pick. I definitely considered Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas was consistently great all season, but for my offensive player of the year, it's none other than Saquon Barkley because of the 10 rushing touchdowns, career high set in rushing yards. He was among the league leaders in rushing, and he carried this offense a lot throughout the course of the season when there were no receivers for Daniel Jones to throw to. The offensive line poorly performed, yet he still managed ways to you know run. The offensive line definitely improved, but outside of Andrew Thomas, Hank, there, there, there really wasn't one guy that you could say, wow, you know, this guy's really improving. He's really good. Um, Thomas was that one outlier. So I think I'm going with Saquon Barkley because uh, he improved as well. You know, he improved his uh, pass protection. I think that was one area that he really struggled in when he was first drafted his first few years in the, in the NFL. Um, and he was a good security blanket for Daniel Jones in the backfield at times. So I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley. Um, also, one play that was really underrated, and our guest backstage will remember this. Um, it was in the Baltimore game. Barkley was about to score his second touchdown, but slides at the one-yard line rather than going into the end zone. Very smart, high IQ play from Saquon. So those are several reasons why he's my offensive player of the year. And finally, our MVP of the 2022 Giants. Hank, I'll start with you. You know, I have been thinking long and hard about this decision for the team MVP. But ultimately, I've got to give it to Daniel Jones. And let me tell you why. Because he was a key reason as to why the Giants had a good amount of wins. Four wins when coming from behind. You could even make the case that he may have been one of the more improved players on the team, but for reasons that like you and I kind of discussed in other shows, we're not, we aren't really going to put him ahead of say a Julian love or a Dexter Lawrence. However, having said that this was the year where I feel like things have started to really come together for Daniel Jones. He has decreased his turnovers by a lot this year. And Quite frankly, the Giants are probably the Giants aren't even in the playoffs if they don't have like a quarterback below Daniel Jones caliber. So and at the end of the day, the NFL is a quarterback's lead league. Got to give it to this man right here. Yeah, I'll say this. If the Jets had Daniel Jones as their quarterback this year, they're in the playoffs. hundred percent. That's um, yeah, that's not far fetched. No, Uh you he know, certainly so, doesn't. Um, he doesn't pull a stiffler, and not only that, he doesn't. Um, he doesn't call out his teammate, team in the media. 
I also think if Tennessee has Daniel Jones as their quarterback, they're in the playoffs. Uh, There's so many teams that you could say that, and that's why he's my MVP as well. Um, He was a five-time New York Giants player of the week for us. He won NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, He had four or five game-winning drives late in the fourth quarter. They beat several teams that made the playoffs, including the Jaguars and the Ravens, specifically out of the AFC Conference. Um, There's a lot to really drive home about with Daniel Jones, that it's more than just the statistics on a piece of paper when you look at a quarterback. Um, You know, 15 touchdown passes, but seven rushing. He had over 700 rushing yards, uh, 67% completion percentage. Daniel Jones was really the MVP of this team this year. The quarterback position is what helped bring this team to the playoffs. You know, the receivers were not good. The line was not great. Um, Outside of Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones was the guy that they really relied upon. And I think even if Barkley was there and they don't have Jones, they don't make the playoffs, you know? So the last few seasons, we've seen what happened. Jones got hurt at the end of 2021. They were four and seven. They lose their final six games. Daniel Jones finally stayed healthy too for a full 17 game slate. So definitely proud of Daniel. Um, Sam, Sean says, if the Saints had Daniel Jones, they would be in the playoffs. Huge words coming from a Saints fan right there. Um, yeah. Speaking of Daniel Jones, we have a Daniel Jones fan that we'd like to introduce to you all. Um, it is none other. Then Fonz the Falco, who appeared back in week six when we previewed the Baltimore Ravens game. Fonz, how are you doing? Uh, you know, it's one of the times where I hope my internet doesn't work now, so I have to do this presentation. But Hank, Tom, it's somewhat a pleasure to be here. Uh, no, it's always great to see you guys. Uh, if you guys can see, tradition, I wear a jersey every show, and you guys know I love Landon Collins, so I have to rock the Landon Collins jersey too. You know, he did listen. He's not going to make my appearance later on the list, but got to give credit to Landon Collins there. But Thank you guys for having me, and I'm somewhat excited for this presentation. I worked really hard on it, so. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Uh, Sean says, says, what's up? Um, (laughs) Deanna says, hi, friends. Hi, Deanna. Um, Can you, Fonz, obviously, we know your fandom, but you, can can you explain to the public, or I should call you the Daniel Jones fanboy. I have to, contractually obligated to, to, to join here and say this, yes. Yes, but why are you here tonight? Well, um, this is a plug for the other show we do here, even preview Four Corners, uh, which me, Mike Sano, and Albert Donor. You can check that every Monday. We've been doing this thing uh, called Records, where we predict every pay-per-view, all the matches, and the loser. So back in the month of, I believe it was November, the, I lost. So the winner was Albert, and the punishment he gave me could have been anything. could be any type of punishment or whatever. And he gave one where I had to give a presentation on why Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Lamar Jackson. And me and Tom were talking behind the scenes when we should do it. And then we're like, you know, let's see. We were going to do it at the end of the season, but then the Giants made the playoffs. And I know you guys had to do your Giants talk with all that. And I'm like, you know, let's wait till when they get eliminated or when the season's over. It'd be a lot funnier. So here I am now. I'm going to give a presentation on why Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson. This is I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. So, yeah, that is why I'm here. It's the only reason why I'm here. Otherwise, I would never step foot here and talk about Daniel Jones when I have to just for this uh, one segment here. We're ready, Fonz. All right. I guess I got I, I guess I have to present it. Right. Is this what I have to do? Let me let me let me. Let me uh, yeah, you have a job to do. So let's uh, this is my job here too. let me get my uh, presentation here. So let me pull it up here. 
Um, Tom, if you want to let me, I'm going to play it now. Is the screen up here? Sure. Is it good? The screen is up. Okay. So when screen do I start? Up. Start whenever? Yes. All right. So start whenever. Here we go, everybody. You guys can still hear me. I'm on the, it's sharing my window. So I'm here. All right. Couple slides here. Hello, everybody. My name is Fonz D. Falco. I am a Baltimore Ravens super fan, but not for the next couple of minutes here. I'm giving a presentation on why Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson. Thanks, Albert, for that one. It's by me, Fonz DeFalco. All right, so historic universities. We're going to start off with this, the humble beginnings of college, right? So where did uh, Daniel Jones go, everybody? Anybody? Anybody? He went to Duke, the Duke Blue Devils, whatever you want to call it. And Lamar Jackson went to Louisville, the Cardinals, a Blue Devil versus a Cardinal. So it's historic. We start with the background. Daniel Jones went to a more prestigious school in Duke University, and there are a lot more well-known NFL alums there. For example, Jets guard Lakin Tomlinson, Bills wide receiver Jameson Crowder, Ray Carlton, George McAfee, and Brian Baldinger. Balding, right? A lot of great names on there, historic from the past and current players now. And as for Lamar, Louisville has just really had this. Teddy Two Gloves Bridgewater, who has been on a bunch of teams. Devontae Parker, bust. David Akers, um, great kicker yeah but you know it's a kicker if a kicker is one of your better alums that's when you know you have an issue gary barnage anybody remember him anybody remember no. gary Barnage? oh yes the tight end for the browns he had one season yes yeah one one season and that was yeah. it Never heard from him he actually was a wrestler David. by the way uh and michael bush <laughs> and i love 2000s running backs but michael bush i look back i'm like oh my god he went to louisville so when you look and when you compare by the way because you know education is important people duke Better than Louisville. Am I right? <sighs> Do I have to keep going with this, Tom? Yes, I will. You are. Less. Now, what are the issues that we've said with Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson? The wide receiver room, right? We've always said they need kind of notable wide receivers and a good wide receiver core. Now, I think Daniel Jones has done a lot more with less, right? I think we can all kind of agree with that. So here's the receivers that Jones has worked with. Two games with Kenny Galladay. Richie James, Dante Pettis, Golden Tate, and Cody Latimer are the more notable names. Now, Hank, Tom, am I missing any other notable wide receivers that Daniel Jones has worked with? Are these like the ones you would you say, are these like the top receivers, including those two games with Kenny Galladay? I don't think there's anybody else. Am I right? I, could, I, I guess you could include Kadarius Tony, but that was for like one minute. That was, so, yeah, yeah. So it would be like a one game with Kadarius Tony, you would say. Then. Darius so, Slayton, Mike saying. Uh, well, I mean, listen, 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 listen. I love Darius Lane, but you know what? I don't know. I think my take with him is uh, it's another guy we'll mention later. But here's some notable receivers Lamar Jackson has worked with, right? Half a season with Rashad Bateman, because I don't know why he's never healthy. Ten years past his prime to Sean Jackson. Guys, he was a Raven for six games. Uh, Pro Bowler return specialist Devin DuVernay, which hasn't done anything on the offense. Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed. The latter two were his main targets in his MVP season. So when you compare, by the way, I think the Giants wide receiver core is a little bit kind of less maybe, but Jones has done a lot more with that too. Jones doesn't use the the wide receivers as an excuse. Now comparing career stats of player A and player B, player A has a 64% completion for his career, 60 touchdowns, 34 INTs, 1,000 passing yards, 1,000 close to 2,000 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns in only four seasons. Now player B, Slightly less, 63.7. More touchdowns, but more interceptions. Had a little bit of like a 1,000 more passing yards, more rushing yards, more rushing touchdowns, but an extra season. Now you can see here, too, I know it's one extra season. As you guys can tell, player B is Lamar Jackson, but the consistency is there 
with the player A, a little bit more better at completion percentage, a uh, little bit less of the INTs. Uh, and you know what? His passing yards, even though it's one less season, it's still close to the 12,000 for player B. So, you know, comparing here too, he's done a little bit more with the one less season, right? Injuries. Now, I can't recall a major Daniel Jones injury. I think he had like a hamstring and maybe a, a concussion one time, if I'm not mistaken. Now, you guys would know more. Is there nah. more injury? Daniel Jones has had like a severe, a severe, a severe injury. He missed multiple games. I, I can't recall the top of my head. But it's the neck injury last season where he missed the last six games. The six games? Oh, that's, well, that's a serious one. But I think if you look more, even this past season really hasn't had a lot of injuries. Now, this past yeah. season... Lamar Jackson has had knee issues, and we don't even know the severity of it. One week we're thinking he's coming back next week, and then he never coming into the playoffs. It from like went from like a grade two to a grade three PCL injury. I don't even know where the PCL is. I have no idea. And notable one here too in a game against the Browns. Do you guys know what happened in that game? You guys know why he left? Oh, the puke. <laughs> yeah, it was the puke. No, had, oh no, 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 no. He, he, had, no, he had to go I to the bathroom. Now. He had to go to the bathroom. Now, last time I checked. Daniel Jones never had to do that, right? Because he's tough. Lamar Jackson isn't that tough. Am I right? One is scared. You know what? You got to hold him there and win the game. Now, the Browns, he ended up beating the Browns, but you know what? Daniel Jones would have played the entire, the entire game. He would have. All right? And listen, if he had a knee issue, he would have played the next week. That's how tough he is. Lamar, I guess he isn't that tough. Am I right? Come on. Right? Jones is the better rusher. Lamar may have had the highlights here and there with the Jukes and whatever, but if you know, you know. Now, he might have tripped. But I think that was the he had the better. I think that's his that's the longest career rush rush by a giant quarterback. That's also higher than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson had a 77 career run. That's his longest. Jones had an 81, had an 80 yard one. That's what it is. So he had the better run. One is better than multiple, I believe. Lamar has some highlights, but Jones has the better one. And it was on national television. And lastly, finally, this past season. Lamar was so bad that Tyler Huntley played a couple. Now, I was high on Tyler Huntley for a long time, right? I thought he can get paid somewhere to be a good, solid backup. He didn't really do that well. And this is how bad Lamar was. That They didn't even invite Lamar Jackson to the Pro Bowl this year. And you guys know I'm a big advocate for the Pro Bowl. I love the Pro Bowl. But Lamar was so damn bad this year that Tyler Huntley made the Pro Bowl over him. Now, personally, I think you should take an NFC quarterback from the AFC side and not put Tyler Huntley. And I would have made the vote for Daniel Jones to make it. So this is how it is. Jones is so good. You don't even have to worry about the backup quarterbacks. Lamar is so bad that the backup quarterbacks make the frigging pro bowl. And for this, this is why I'm officially announcing that I am no longer an advocate for the pro bowl after this moment here too. Am I still going to watch it? You damn right. I am, but I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I used to. So, that is why I will say here that Lamar ja- well, Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson. Less injuries, tough as nails, and did less with, less with more at the wide receiver spot. Didn't make a backup quarterback go to the Pro Bowl. Better university. And, you know, one less season, but close to Lamar Jackson's five seasons. So it's a couple of, there's a couple of things there, too. So. That is my presentation. Yeah, see, Brian, I'm sold. Yeah, listen, I'm here for comments, questions, concerns. I looked up a bunch of stats, and I'm like, wow, maybe Daniel Jones. No, but no, he is. He is better than Lamar Jackson, but not for long. I'm telling you this right now. Next Brian season. McCardle. 
<laughs> Thank you, Brian. This is painful. I was upset. Tonight. That hurt. The awesome Tyler Huntley one really, the Tyler Huntley one really bothered me. That's yeah. what it, that's what I was like. Thank God we dated till after the season because the Tyler Huntley kind of made the whole presentation. I can't believe it. And don't Jones and Lamar have the same amount of playoff wins as well? They each have one. Yes, believe, yes. Right? yes. They each have one. But that's what I'm saying. Has done less in a season. Has one less season, but has the same amount of playoff wins. And less Lamar's playoff games. Well, same playoff wins, but Lamar has more playoff appearances. Remember, the first year he played against the Chargers. Next year, 14-2. and two. Should have won the Super Bowl that year. Demolished by the Titans is horrible. The next season they won, and then they lost again. And they didn't even make it the past two seasons. Well, and, well, he didn't even play. It was Tyler Huntley, Pro Bowler Tyler Huntley. So, yeah, so, so it goes back to my one less season, but has done just as much as Lamar Jackson. And... Lamar Jackson's had one head coach. Daniel Jones has had three. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know what? You go big. It's like ties in with the wide receiver. Go group. big or go home. Right? It goes, it goes right? like with the, wide, <laughs> the wide receiver group. And also that too. Offensive coordinators. He's had Greg Roman the entire time. Daniel Jones has had multitude. And multitude rotation of wide receivers. Rotation of coaches. Rotation of coordinators. Or throw this face. argument in there. Mark Andrews or Evan Ingram. Pro Bowler, Evan Ingram. Pro Bowler, <laughs> Pro Bowler. Yeah, you know, I didn't even mention the tight end. I, You know what? It would have hurt my argument that I think Mark Andrews is better than Evan Ingram. Yeah, That would have probably helped, but I just did the wide receivers. So I was looking at the Ravens wide receivers, especially in Lamar's MVP season. Yeah, Marquise Brown, who I didn't even mention, uh, but literally Seth Roberts and Willie Sneed were your number two and three wide receivers. That That's just crazy. Yeah. But, <laughs> so fun. Thank you for that. I know that was painful. Yeah. Um, I want to do a part two. Now I better not lose another records. Yeah. So now, yeah. yeah. Since we have the Ravens fan here and mm. tor- tortured him, that's the least we could do because you know you took us down in the Super Bowl twenty one, twenty two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get in to our Giants top ten player reveal of the season. And yes, Sean, I, I, I was being serious about this. I saw Sean's comment. So, yeah, I'm also being serious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Fonz, as the guest, um, the way we'll do this is um, I feel like, Hank, last year we did one at a time, right? Or should we all do 10 and then keep going? I think we each did it individually, but I'm kind of cool with doing um, go up, taking ten, turns for 10. Keep, I've, all right. Yeah. We can do the ten count of four corners. That's what we do. Like ten, yeah. we go around the nine. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I don't want to jump into the show. But if that's no, what that 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 works perfectly fine. So, uh, funds. We'll get started with you. Oh boy. Um, top ten players on the Giants. Who was number ten for you this season, and why? And then we'll go to Hank, and then me. Well, this one's a little bit out there, and I think Tom, Hank, you might know too. I'm a big special teams guy. I like yes. the outlier of, of players too, and it's no, it's not the one player. I think it's somebody different because I'm a big fan of this. We got to bring this back more. I'm going to go with Gary Brightwell at number Ooh. ten. Okay, but I know Tom Must. He's not the only special team that's making this list. I'm going to put Gary Brightwell at here too. Listen, Whoa. I like the unders. I like the under. Like the the story here. Listen, six round pick. Couldn't really make a name himself on the offense. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go in the kick returner spot. Didn't do that much in college. Had close to 600 kickoff returns 
uh, took off yards, excuse me, no touchdowns, but had a lot of big moments in the return game. Really good special team or two. I think he definitely earned a spot on the roster going forward. Usually with what, six round picks? They don't really make it past like the first or two two seasons, really. But definitely mm-hmm. an influence in the special teams. I know this one's a little bit out there. My number 10 is the wild card. It's the crazy one, too. So I got to give credit where credit's due. Good special teamer. I like special teams players. I think kick returns a big part in the in the in the in the NFL games. So Gary Brightwell is my number ten here. Good special teams player. Definitely made a name for himself going forward too. I like that. I like that. So I think I don't think mine's necessarily as out there as yours, but mine's a guy who was pretty productive over the course of the season and. I'm going to go with Daniel Bellinger, our tight end. And the reason that I'm going to go with Daniel Bellinger is because, well, he definitely was an upgrade over the last tight end that we had, the pro bowler that you were referring to in your slideshow. Pro bowler. Pro bowler, Devin Ingram. (laughs) But with that having been said, Daniel Bellinger was more sure-handed for sure this season He definitely was better with blocking. However, the only reason that I don't have him very high on that list is because, well, definitely the injuries, the injury to his eye socket really hurt and he missed a significant amount of time. But during the games he played, he made some big catches. So I thought, I felt that it would be only fair to put him on this list. I like it. I like it. Listen, okay. I love the tight end. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you both. Uh, I'm a huge advocate for tight ends. Daniel Bellinger, unfortunately, did not make my list. Um, but, Fonz, you're really going to like my pick for number 10. It is former – you know who it is, right? Because I, I, I pressed yours by accident. I saw your number 10. I, uh, go ahead. Okay. It's, I, like, it's, I like It's actually one of my favorite players on the team, and I, I hope they bring him back. It is Jihad Ward. Um, And the reason why, Hank, Jihad Ward is my number 10 player. If you remember early on in the season, Kayvon Thibodeau missed his first couple of games of his NFL career. Jihad Ward wound up setting a career high in tackles this year. He tied a career high in sacks, career high in forced fumbles with two. He had four passes defended. Jihad Ward at 28 years old, this is arguably – the best year of his career. So Jihad Ward clocks in at number 10 for me. And now we'll move on to number nine, Fonz. I love that, by the way. Former Raven. I was upset. I was like, he could be good somewhere else. It was, it was that when he was on the Ravens, a lot of pass rushers, defensive linemen on that roster. He was like, it was on the bubble, but I knew he was going to do well wherever he went. He's done really well with the Giants. Wink Martindale. Oh, I miss you so much. Uh, my number, my number nine. Uh, Tom, you know about this. I've talked about him. Again, another underdog story. I got to give credit to Isaiah Hodgins here. Doing really well. Another later round pick. He was a six round pick for the Buffalo Bills. The first two seasons. First season, he missed the whole year with a shoulder injury. I don't know. It was an injury. I don't know exactly what it was. Uh, The season after, uh, he was on like the practice squad the entire season. And this past season got cut by the Bills and was picked up by the Giants at the midway point too. And only Close to 400 receiving yards. You know, nothing really to write home about, but he did make a lot of big plays, I noticed, too. Uh, Big-bodied receiver, and I really think that he impressed a lot of people, and I think he definitely, if anything, earned a shot to compete for a roster spot going forward. Now, I'm not saying he's like your number one, number two 
he could be your like your number three guy, maybe even number two in a couple of games here too. Again, great catch radius. Again, a big body target for Daniel Jones. A nice extra guy to throw to. I think he definitely earned a roster spot for next year. So I'm a, I'm really high on Hodgins. It's my new Darius Slayton. So keep an eye on Hodgins uh, for next season. I got to give him a lot of credit uh, for this past season. Definitely proven himself. Again, Dable knew him because he was the offensive coordinator down in Buffalo where they drafted Hodgins. Love it. I love that pick. Mm-hmm. Hodgins is going to be really good for you guys. Really. Yeah. He's really good. I think so too, but my number nine guy is Aziz Ojolari. Mm-hmm. He's another guy who missed a good amount of games, but ultimately he was another important member of the defense. And again, I think the amount of games missed are pretty much why I have him a little bit lower than I would imagine he might be on either of your lists. But that being said, he still has to be up there. So there you go. I like it. Um, just messaging you guys in the private chat here. Apologize if my connection is kind of shitty tonight, but I'll get to my number nine now. Maybe my connection as well, too. So yeah. I apologize. There's been something going on lately with uh, New York Internet. We'll, we'll have to figure that out, but at a different time. But, folks, thank you for sticking with us thus far. If you're still here, my number nine is also like Fonz, Isaiah Hodgins and Isaiah Hodgins. Now, uh, to your point before Fonz, um, he only played eight games with the Giants this year. He was claimed off waivers by the Buffalo Bills. He only played in one game with the Bills and Hodgins was never bad. It's he was stuck behind Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, John Brown, Cole Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Khalil Shakir. I mean, there was no room for him on the Buffalo Bills receiving core. But now he's here on a giant, and now, yeah, the exposure, he might be better than some of those guys. Um, His stats this season, 37 catches, 392 yards, and four touchdown receptions in just eight games with the Giants. And in just eight games with the Giants, he was tied for the team lead with touchdown receptions. More importantly, The um, playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings, he had eight catches, 105 yards, and one score, and he filled a gaping hole for the the Giants after they lost Sterling Shepard to a season-ending ACL and after they lost Wandale Robinson to a season-ending ACL. So that's why Isaiah Hodgins is my number nine. He might be a lot, he might be a lot higher heading into next season, guys. I'm telling you this right now. I really, I really, I really, I really do uh, uh, believe that. And you're right, Tom. I think he does a case. He's both. He's better than I think half those Bills wide receivers. So he could he could be a number two, number three there easily now after a showing. Uh, so what am I on now? We're now on my number eight. Hank, you mentioned him before. I'm going to put yes, him on here too. As he's Ojular, I'm going to put him on here as well too. Now again, like you said, he missed a lot of games. He played only seven games. Uh, this past season, but in seven games, five and a half sacks, close to a sack a game. That's that's pretty damn impressive. And he was very innocent. He was very good last year. And with a full season, he had eight sacks and close to 50 tackles in 17 games last season. Missed a lot of time, but I think he's definitely going to be a huge part going forward. And when he was on the field for those seven games, he made a huge impact. So I got to give credit to Ojolari. And like you said, if he was healthy, he played at least like 12, 13 games. He'd be a lot higher. But again, five and a half sacks. 14 tackles in seven games. 
that's still pretty impressive with that rotation of linebackers and linemen that you have in uh, in New York. So you got to get credit to Ojolari there. Definitely will be a lot higher this time next year if he's fully healthy. Awesome. I like that pick. And um, now I think you're both going to like this one. I am going to go with Isaiah Hodgins. And yeah, uh, Fonz, wow. if I'm being honest, I think I'm just as high on Isaiah Hodgins as you are. You should be. There is no question about it. He was that hidden gem of an offseason pickup that Joe Shane made. And look, I think he was a big part in the Giants winning a lot of winning some of our late season games. And as a result, because of his impact as a big acquisition, that's why I put him just a little bit higher than both of you guys. I respect it. I like it a lot. This is very fair. If I put it like um, I would have put it higher if you played a little bit more games, but you know yeah. what? Honestly, eight I can't. I can make an argument for switching over to Lorraine Hodgins also. Yeah, those are guys that are really interchangeable in my yeah. opinion. They are interchangeable, and that's why my number eight, like Fonz, is, is Aziz Ojolari. And fun fact, I had Aziz at eight last year as well, even when he had um, eight sacks in his rookie year. Um, this year, his sophomore campaign, he played in just seven games and had 14 tackles. But as Fonz said, five and a half sacks and three forced fumbles. He had an impact in those games that he played in that helped the Giants win. So I'm going with Aziz as my number eight for the second year in a row. And hopefully he plays in more games next year because we need him. He needs to stay healthy. But um, thank you, Jihad Ward, for filling in the void for him when he was hurt. (laughs) Couldn't agree more with that. It's very good. My number seven. Now is the real special team that you guys probably figured I put on here, too, because kickers are just as important as any other position. In a, in a league where every team struggles with kickers, you guys know, at least my Ravens, I'm happy with a consistent kicker, and you guys have found one too in Graham Gano. 90% field goal percentage, 94 in extra points. His long one was 57. He had 119 total points this past season. That's very, very impressive too. When he got cut by the Panthers a few years ago, some people thought like he'd be done in his career because he was a longtime Panthers kicker, but the Giants picked him up. People weren't sure. And he's been consistent for you guys for the past couple of seasons. And a lot of, uh, a lot of good game winning field goals, some close ones to help tie the, bring the game back and whatever too, with a little extra motivation. So kickers, you got to mm-hmm. give the love to the kickers here. Good. No, at number seven, I think that's probably the highest that would go, uh, honestly for any kicker too, but you got to give the credit for the kickers up Ooh. here. So he's, you know, my number seven. Wow. Okay. Respect it, Hank. What do you got? I am going to go with the rookie of the year, Kayvon Thibodeau. KT. KT. Yeah, no. Be careful. careful. Some people might think you're picking the other KT out there. Kadarius Tony. No, I think a lot of people. Potential Super Bowl champion. No, I think a lot of people are going to try to block that guy out of their memory. But in any event, Kayvon Thibodeau definitely got better over the course of the season. And again, the reason I don't have him as high is because he didn't necessarily start off as well, but that second half was definitely big enough to warrant him being on this list without a doubt. And if we're being honest, like he also got held a lot. So maybe he could have been higher if he, if he wasn't held a lot, but that's besides the point. He, he gave us a breath of fresh air on defense. So there you go. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, I guess what? 
Deja Vu, Kayvon Thibodeau at number seven. Interesting. Um, except I wrote his whole name out, put a little more effort into it, Hank. Um, <laughs> uh, 14 games played, four sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and five passes defended. And, of course, the touchdown he scored in the biggest game of the season against Washington. If the Giants lose that game, there's a chance they will make the playoffs, guys. And that was huge. Kayvon got the strip sack and recovered the ball into the end zone for a touchdown. So Kayvon Thibodeau is my number seven overall. Um, I wish I could have put him a little bit higher, but I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the best edge rusher the Giants have had in a long time, uh, possibly since Jason Pierre-Paul. So uh, speaking very highly of him there. So um, he may even surpass JPP if he really, you know, locks in and, you know, hammers down. I know JPP is currently a Raven, so. We're number four, by the way, which again still is very weird to me when Lyman wore single digit numbers. But that's yeah, another. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a big fan personally. Yeah. Now, another deja. What's the call when you have three of the same triple deja vu, deja trace, or whatever? Something it is. like that, right? I have Kayvon Thibodeau at number six. Now, <laughs> he. I think it's because the second half of the season. Definitely bumped him up here. Now, if he had this production in the first half and had a crappy second half, he'd be a lot lower. But if he had this whole consistency throughout the entire year, he'd be a lot higher, obviously. So I think there's a perfect spot for him right now, too. Again, the first half struggle, people thought maybe bust or whatever, but you give the pass to rookie lineman or whatever. But like you said, the sacks hit later on in the season and that touchdown against uh, Washington, too. Later on in the season, definitely proved that he is a star in the making for the Giants. They made—I definitely think they made the right call here with that selection too. But like I said, the inconsistency from the beginning, but trending in the right direction. That's why he's at number six again. If it was trending in the other direction, he'd probably be number ten. But you know, this is a good spot for him. I think if he continues his play next season, like he did this past season, trending upwards, he's going to be a lot higher. But Thibodeau, stud. I really think he's going to have a good year next year. Like it, Hank. Who's your number six? Number six, why don't we go with uh, Graham Yes, our kicker. Probably one of our biggest sources of offense, arguably, this year, besides uh, Jones and Barkley. And I would say this year, you've really gotten to see a lot of his money kicks actually mean something. So definitely has to be in the middle tier of this list. Yeah, I like Graham Gano there. At number six. I think that's a good pick, Hank. I think that's a great pick. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, my number six, I'm going a little different. I think this is the first one in a while where uh, any of us haven't duplicated each other. I'm going with Notre Dame safety, Julian Love. Um, I'm going with Julian Love here because 16 games played. He led the team in tackles this year with 124. His first year with the true defined starting role obviously because they let Jabril Peppers walk and they cut Logan Ryan. Uh, Love had two picks, five passes defended. Um, I I can't say enough good about the guy this year. I know he was getting some heat earlier on in the show because of what he said about Nick Sirianni on a good morning football, um, which is not the best look. But you know what? He's back Daniel Jones. He's back his teammates this year. Um, He's a captain. And, you know, he was very important to this football team. When McKinney was hurt this year, they needed a guy like Julian Love. And now he, he, he's a guy that might be worthy of a second contract with the Giants. So Julian Love is my number six, guys. Tom, it seems like great minds think alike <laughs> because 
Julie Love is my is my number five. I, listen, I'm a big fan of him, and I listen. I would have had McKinney on here if he was healthy the entire season. I think the combination yeah, next yeah. year, McKinney and Love, oh, that's going to be a very good safety. If he's back. Yeah. If 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 they're both back and whatever too. If but Love like, is back, yeah. I think Love definitely um, more than deserves a second contract with that team as a team captain, now team leader. Like you said, back Daniel Jones and the entire Giants organization from day one led the team in ta- 124 tackles as a safety. That's pretty damn impressive. Two picks this season and one sack too. Definitely should have gotten you know should have got some Pro Bowl consideration in my opinion too. But a clear leader in the secondary for the Giants definitely they did something they needed like a captain or a leader in that secondary role here. They kind of really haven't really had that, if I'm not mistaken, in a while. But I think Love is someone who I think definitely will be back on the team next year. I think he should be at least. Um, but him and McKinney are back together, that'd be really good too. But you got to give credit to Love there. 124 tackles of the safety. Stepped up big time when they needed him. Um, I think definitely is a fan favorite there too. So I think Love is more than deserving of the numbers five spot on my list. And you know what? Believe it or not, Fonz. Listen, I don't know. Listen, I think me and listen, listen. I didn't see anybody's list except Tom's number ten and Jihad Ward. I didn't see anyone's I, list. I because I was I picked Tom. And I saw Jihad Ward. Just for the record, I only saw Jihad Ward. I'm like, yes. I'm like, I don't oh, want to okay. surprises for all of them too. But yeah, go ahead, Hank. With your Julian with your- Love was definitely the one member of the secondary that was able to get us through, and he was pretty versatile over the course of the season and. Mm-hmm. Definitely made some big plays, so have to put him in the middle tier for sure. Yeah, and I think, too, you guys spoke about those 124 tackles. Granted, a lot of them are because our linebackers couldn't make them, so Julian Love had to play that uh, linebacker mm-hmm. role a little bit on the defense. He played. Yeah, exactly. Can't complain. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Um, go Irish. Now, my number five, I want to step above you guys. Fonz, you took him at seven. Hank, you took him at six. I'm taking him as high as five because that's where I took him last year. So I'm going to stay consistent with it. I I, I know he's a kicker, but. No, no, I, but I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. Fonz, consistently great. And mm-hmm. he is one of the most underappreciated players on the team, mm-hmm. Graham Gano. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Graham, when I think of Graham Gano, I think of this. And, and you can relate with Justin Tucker, but. Graham Gano, not just 29-32 in field goals, 8 of 9 from 50 or more yards. He was near automatic from 50-plus. You don't, you don't see that at all. That's coming from a guy who has Justin Tucker. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. I, yeah. I love seeing that, too. Could, could not agree more. Kickers are people, too. <laughs> they are. Credit, credit that. Kickers are players. Right. Kickers yes. are players. Yes. Yes. All right. Now, I don't know. This is the first time he's been met. Well, it's the second time he's been mentioned by me here. I don't know where you guys have him. My number four, this was my top four was hard. This was where it got difficult because I did not because like mm-hmm. 10 through five, I kind of knew where everybody was going even beforehand. Even my number 10 was the wild card spot. This is where it got difficult. And I can hear the argument for anyone else, too. I put I put Jones at four. I put Jones at four for now. Because the next three, it's like hard to switch up and forth. You can make yeah, the argument. Yeah. This morning, I had Jones at one in my head as a day one. I'm like, I could put him at three because of another guy. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what? I got to stick with him at four. No knock on him. 
Jones has definitely, out of all, like really coming to the quarterbacks heading into the season, Jones definitely had a lot of pressure heading in, like even with guys like Jalen Hurts, some other guys, even just, for example, to be named, had a lot of pressure heading into the season. Jones was definitely on that list. And he showed a lot of people wrong, even with 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 less of what he had at the wide receiver spot or whatever, too. Was consistent throughout the entire season. Really good player. I'm really sure that he can be the future for the Giants here. And I definitely think he earns a contract. I don't know how much they'll pay him. Who knows what's going to happen there. But this past season was very good. Proved a lot of people wrong, including myself. Because I wasn't as high on Daniel Jones. Was very consistent for you guys this whole season. Only reason I put him at four is because the next three that I'm going to mention later on. It's it's hard to to knock put Jones above those next three guys. I think you guys know who I put there, but Jones for me is at number four. But you can have the argument for him at three, two, or one. Okay, Hank, who do you got? Daniel Jones, four for funds. So I am gonna go for number four with Saquon Barkley, our running back. And yeah, I would agree. My spoiler alert, my top four was also a pretty difficult list in that I knew who was going to be up there, but ultimately I didn't quite know where I was going to put my top four, so to speak. You know what I mean? But hard at the end of the day, Saquon Barkley definitely has to be in the top tier of this list because without a doubt, he was one of the horses on offense. Now, Granted, obviously, he had those few weeks where he struggled, so to speak. But with that having been said, when the games got bigger, he came up clutch. And as a result, he is definitely pretty high on this list. In fact, he was fantastic in that win against the Minnesota Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, if not for Daniel Jones, you could make the case that he was definitely a big, a good part in that win, especially because, you know, even though he didn't get a lot of carries, the ones he did get were for huge runs, especially that touchdown that really set the tone for that game. That's right. He, uh, yeah, he helped us out in that playoff win against Gabe Flayton's Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> yes. Um, Saquon Barkley at number four for you, Hank. Uh, well, I also had a tough time with my top four. I'll just say this right now, and I think all three of us agree. All three of us have the same top four. I'm almost positive, Uh, unless something crazy happens. I don't know if you guys put Galladay on there, but he's on there. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Just just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) These next two, these next two were interchangeable for me, but I also put Barkley at four, and here's why. Um, He battled a shoulder injury during the second half of the season, and it was clearly noticeable on the field as where the top three were healthy all season long. There there was no injury issue with any of them that sort of affected their production. Uh, Barkley played 16 games. Now, granted, he played through this injury. Um, He played 16 games. He would have played the full season if they didn't rest the starters in Philadelphia. So anyone who played 16 games, they pretty much played every game. They played every game. Uh, 1,300 rushing yards, 1,312. That was a career high for him with 10 rushing touchdowns. He had 57 receptions for just 338 yards. Um, You know, again, a lot of these passes to him were short passes. Um, He made a lot of great plays in the game, the Tennessee game, the two-point conversion where they did the uh, Chiefs special with Andy Reid there, Uh, the little pitch, the play they like to do to Kelsey in the red zone. They did it with Saquon. Um, and yeah, I, 
several runs this season really impressed me. Um, you know, especially the Baltimore game funds. He's really good in the Baltimore game too. Oh, I'm aware, Tom. I'm aware. Thank you for that one. I thought we were who's your number three. Yeah. <laughs> My number three. This again. The, the, now the top three gets even more difficult. Who do you put there at yeah. three, two, and one? I got to give credit here to Sexy Dexy, Dexter Lawrence, oh, wow. and at, and at number three, a high draft pick for you guys. I believe in 2019, if I'm not mistaken, he was in like top 20. I think he was a high draft pick for you guys too. Uh, took a little bit of time to yeah, kind of 16, 16, yep. Make or a 17. name for himself. On the field here too. Uh, this past season, though, I think his first year as a captain, All Pro, mm-hmm. Pro Bowl selection, seven and a half sacks, sixty-eight total tackles for a defensive tackle. And you don't really see that many high, like the high sacks that for a defensive tackle nose guy right in the middle. Uh, but definitely, you know, made a huge name for himself uh, this season. Again, with the whole defensive line, with a lot of stud players on there, a lot of great players. Dexter Lawrence has definitely improved a lot this season. I think he's going to have a bright future in New York, a good run stuffer, good at getting after the quarterback. Clearly when you have close to eight sacks as defensive tackle, really good, really good player throughout the season. So Dexter Lawrence is my number three. And again, you could make an argument for putting him at two and one. I, you can, you can convince me. You really can. Above it. Hank, who's your number three? Well, you might think I'd have mine a little bit higher considering I called him the MVP. And I still pretty much stand by a lot of the points that I made with this. But for number three, I am going to go with Daniel Jones. You knew one of – between him and Barkley, you knew one of the two was going to be in the top three. But it, it's a little surprising that it was only Daniel Jones that made the top three. However, the reason I put him – in the top three is because ultimately this was a year where you def, as I've said, things definitely fell into place for Daniel Jones, for sure. I think the, uh, the turnovers dropped significantly. I think definitely he owes a good amount of that to Brian Dable. I mean, look at the comparison between him and say uh, Josh Allen with turnovers. And I think you could argue there is such a thing as the Brian Dable effect, but With that having been said, Daniel Jones also had a lot of moments where he showed his high football IQ. And if you really, really watched and paid attention to the Giants, you would see that he was a very important part of, I would say, at least two-thirds of our wins this year, especially the Viking game and especially the Colts game. And one thing I didn't touch upon when talking about, you know, my season high for the Giants season, it wasn't so much just because I went to this game, but like hearing that Daniel Jones chant at the very end of that Colts game, my, that sent me, that gave me the chills. It was such an incredible moment. And look, I don't care if, if a good chunk of those fans were some of the same fans that were like, you know, talking shit about him like for much of his career with the Giants like the fact of the matter is he's gotten respect and I hopefully I can't wait to see how he builds off of the season next year yeah um I agree 
Um, I also had Jones as my MVP of the team, but sometimes most valuable, most valuable player doesn't always mean the best player, right? It's the player that's most important to your team. And more often than not, when he plays really well, it's the quarterback. And not that I'm going to disagree with what you guys said about Jones, but Jones has been steadily improving his turnover numbers since his rookie year. Um, even last year before he got hurt, his turnover numbers were down significantly. Um, this year, it was just out the window. He was the least turnover-prone quarterback in the NFL. He went seven weeks without a turnover um, this season. Uh, 67% completion percentage. I-, I mentioned all the stats with him before, but the five comeback wins this season were astronomical. And I think also his ability to be durable and run with the football is something that you know sets him apart um, from other quarterbacks in this league where Fonz, I mean, you know, with the Ravens, a running back quarterback situation. Now with the Giants, it's you can't just worry about stopping Barkley. You have to worry about stopping Jones on quarterback keeper plays or RPOs of that nature. So, you know, Daniel Jones definitely proved his worth on this football team. No Sterling Shepard for almost all the season. Missed Wandell for a big chunk of the season. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay was a shadow and then he's throwing to Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and Daniel Bellinger. Um, so that's why Daniel Jones is my number three. So, and I think he's coming back. I think he he should get around thirty to thirty five million a year, and I, I think that's a good bargain considering the way the quarterback market is now. I mean, quarterbacks are making like forty, some even fifty million a year. Look at Patrick Mahomes, but. Patrick Mahomes should not be the standard of being a franchise quarterback. And I think it's been proven by a lot of other quarterbacks. And I think Daniel Jones has proven that he is a franchise quarterback for the New York football giants. Makes a lot of, makes a lot of sense because we, we know the standard is Tom Brady, uh, not Patrick Mahomes too. Cause Tom, listen, don't do yes, it. Yes, correct. Don't do it. Don't do it. I care about you. He's coming back. He's going to the point. <laughs> I'm not buying this retirement. I'm not doing it. I care about you, Tom. I really do. My number two, this was the, the one and two is pretty much, I knew they were going to be the two in the one spot, at least in my opinion, respectively, too. Because I was very high on this guy heading into the draft a few years ago. And that's Andrew Thomas. I'm putting in at number two. Officially, not a pro bowler, but an all pro Andrew Thomas. A little backstory about Thomas, too, with Georgia. He played everywhere on the offensive line from day one as a true freshman, from right tackle all the way to left tackle his senior year, too. Now, heading into the draft, it was like him, Jedrick Wills, Tristan Werps. I think there was another one. It was like, who's the best offensive lineman heading into that draft? And a lot of people said Werps because of the potential, Wills because of the potential. They're not there yet, but they have the potential to be great. And I said Thomas because I thought he was great from day one. He knew all the positions. I think he could start from day one. The other two might need some time to develop. And people said that Thomas already has hit his ceiling because you knew what you're going to get with him. And I'm like, honestly, that's fine because you know you're going to get a great left tackle from day one. Now, the, now his first season, I was like, oh, my take might be wrong on that too. But this past season has done really well at the left tackle spot for, for your Giants. Has done really well. Definitely solidified himself as one of the better tackles this season. Definitely did not become the turnstile like of the ghost of Eric Flowers. You guys remember that name pretty well. Uh, but was a very good protecting Daniel Jones. Sorry, Tom, and I didn't mean to mention that name. Miami Hurricanes uh, fan here. I hate that guy too also. But Andrew Thomas 
was very good for you guys this past season. Definitely proved to be worth that draft pick, that high draft pick where people were thinking that might have been a reach because you knew what you were getting with Thomas, unlike the potential Wills and Werps. Listen, should have made the Pro Bowl this year, but he's an all-pro. Thomas is going to be your left tackles, protecting Jones' blind side, I think, for the next couple of years. He was really good, so give credit to Thomas here. Officially, all-pro, next year Pro Bowler, Andrew Thomas. Love it. I love that pick. Mm-hmm. Hank, who do you got? I am going to go with our best player on defense this year, Sexy Dexy. Seven and a half sacks. He, you want to talk about guys who really have improved? That's one. And I think he really complimented the talent such as Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. And once again, you have to bring this guy back next year without question. Mm-hmm. Of all the of all the tight end or, or of all the defensive tackles that we let go, De- Dexy is better than all those guys. He did leave. A, he did let a lot of tackle. I'm thinking the first one. I'm thinking of is Damian Harrison. That's yeah. Snacks, Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, Linval Joseph. Linval Joseph. Jonathan Hankins. He did let a lot of tackles go. Barry Cofield. Oh Barry Cofield. Fred Robbins. William <laughs> Joseph Cornel. Oh What's God. that, Bonds? Barry Cofield. What a name. That makes me Corn- smile, Tom. Cornelius Will, uh, not Cornelius Will, Cornelius Griffin played in the yeah. 2000 Super Bowl. I think the Cofield one makes me smile, Tom. That's a future top 10 we're doing. Also, uh, good pick, Hank. Quick shout out to Tudo by A, by Zun. Uh, massive salutes to Tommy and Hank, Cold and Diehard fans. Greetings from Princeton. Also, Fonz joining us here tonight. Fonz, you're also a Paisan, so uh, yeah. uh, relate with Tudo. Actually, you're a full blooded Paisan, correct? Well, fully blooded, yeah. Close to Look it. I got to check the uh, uh, DNA reference of what I am exactly, but I'm pretty much uh, fully. The ancestry. Yeah. Tudo is a rugby player, by the way. Well, look at that. Hello, fellow rugger. It's nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah. So he's a big Giants fan. Um, mm-hmm. I believe they were in Munich just recently playing mm-hmm. rugby. So Tudo is badass. One of our most loyal and favorite <laughs> commenters on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two. Uh, I got to get back to my banners because I was pinning the comments on the show. I'm also going Andrew Thomas. Um, for me, he and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into his stats because it's hard to find stats on an offensive. It line. is. It is. I know you're you're the guy for that, so I figured you go for it. <laughs> Only two penalties the entire season. Just good. Three sacks allowed. Zero in the first eight games. Three sacks allowed on 1,049 pass blocking snaps. That's literally you don't have to explain yourself like that. Under under 25 pressures allowed on those 1,049 pass blocking snaps. Mm-hmm. Clearly a top three tackle in the NFL. I'd say Trent Williams might still be number one, but I think Andrew Thomas might be number two, if not number three at worst. Um, I'm trying to think who could be number two at this point. I, I can't come up with a clear cut name off the top of my head. Right. I'm saying Lane Johnson left is a tackle. right tackle. I'm thinking left tackle. I, maybe I hate to say this. Maybe or Orlando. I don't know. No, not Orlando Brown. No, I'd rather have Andrew Thomas than Orlando Brown. Yeah, I, I would. True. I can't All right. anybody. 
think you might be right. I think he might be number two. He, I he, he might be number two. Yeah. Scott, let's let's get to number one. All right, my number one is future Super Bowl champion Kadarius Tony. I'm just kidding, what? everybody. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just. Oh my god. <laughs> oh. Hey, he might not play. He did get hurt in that game. <laughs> Hank's like, face. Egg's face is made it for me. And that's really the <laughs> it all serious. Listen, I got to give credit to Saquon Barkley, especially for, you know, there's a lot of, like with Daniel Jones, a lot of pressure with him heading into the season. His first two years in the league, unbelievable. Like, really was like, this guy's going to be like the top back, one of the top backs in the league. The third wow. season, torn in the second game against the Bears. Season after, struggled a lot. I think he... Played majority of the season, but struggled really with the bad offensive line. Coming into this season, there's a lot of pressure. I think this is why you don't pay running backs. This is why you don't draft a running back second overall, or at least in the top five, first round overall. But like Tom mentioned before, career high in rushing yards too. He had some moments here of like the of bad games here and there, but he was consistent, really playing throughout majority of the season. Was the focal point in the offense for a majority of the games too, and even days where like they didn't have like good consistent wide receiver play. And I think Barkley, listen. I know people – I'm still on the bandwagon of, or the wagon of paying running backs. Not a lot of money, but, like, if they've done well, three of the five seasons, you've had 1,000 yards and you were relatively healthy, especially in your contract year, like you were at your best season. I think he definitely earns a second contract. For how much, I have no, I, I have no idea, you know, but I still think he definitely earned a spot here. He wants to be a giant, uh, will still be the focal point in that offense. Him and Dan Jones, a good backfield to work with, too. You get another guy behind him, too. Maybe Gary Brightwell is the second option behind him, just in case to take the load off here. That would be great. But I got to get Barkley my number one spot here because heading into the season, we thought he'd kind of be done or probably be moving on to another team. But, you know, again, Pro Bowl this season, excellent stuff, career high in rushing yards, too. So I got to get Barkley the number one spot for me, in my opinion. Hard to argue with that. I, really hard to argue with that. I mean, I could have easily put him in at one as well. And, and I said this earlier in the show too, Fonz. There's two ways to maximize the lifespan of a running back in the NFL. One, um, you pay him after four years um, or sooner. And then two, you if you draft the running back in the first round, you give them the fifth-year option, and then you give them the franchise tag in year number six to minimize overpaying a boatload. And the franchise tag for running back this year is just over – for 10 million. So you have six years of a cost controlled superstar running back, which is majority of a running backs prime in the NFL. Yeah. And then that's what smart GMs do. You know, now this, this is his fifth year. Do you think they'll, they'll give him the franchise at it? Or do you think they would do it with, with, cause they declined Jones's option, right? If I'm not mistaken, they declined. They, gave, Jones's option. they declined Jones, but they gave it to oh, Dexter. Yeah. Oh, I'm, th- I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking it's like franchise tag. You can only accept one, Per player, but no, it doesn't. That's no. a franchise. You only do one. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. But yeah, but so it's in his fifth year. Yeah, you, you can give him the franchise. I think. I mean, who else on the team would you give the franchise tag to? I'm asking you, like, what out of like, do you do it to Dexter? Like, as if it's his. Well, Dexter's playing on the fifth year option now this year, so they won't there's, do it to him yet. So there's, I don't um, know any other. You give love. Love. Yeah, you give. You could give love the franchise tag. Yeah, that's hard because you only give one per team, if I'm not mistaken. It's one or right. was it? Yeah, so that's the diff- that's mm-hmm. the question there. But I agree with you on that. The Barkley thing, at least with him, you give it for the sixth year, and then if he has another great year, then you see what you go from there. You know, right? 
Hank? All right. So for my number one, well, here's the thing. I don't necessarily hate the idea of Saquon being number one. I think that's definitely a good choice. Mm-hmm. However, I am also of the belief that a good running back does not succeed without a solid member of the offensive line. And true? in that case, my number one is Andrew Thomas, who, you know, Tom pretty much gave all the stats about how he only allowed three sacks and didn't allow very many pressures. He allowed both Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones to thrive. Both of them had career years and he is slowly emerging as one of the best left tackles in the game. And as Tom has heard me say many times on the show this season, I have often said that Andrew Thomas is the most important member of our offense. And I stand by that. So with that being said, he is number one on my list of top 10 giants players of the 2022 season. And he is going to help us out for years to come. Did you have him last year too? Last year? I think I, I definitely had him in the top last year too, but that just goes to show you how, how well he's been playing. Yeah. Well, we'll have to go back and check that, but yeah, that's an awesome pick. Um, can't argue with that. A couple comments here. Cold G what's up, Steve. Say my man, Tudo, Tudo shouting back at cold. Um, my number one, Dexter. Dexter Lawrence. I'm going the top spot with him. And this is a position that's easily replaced. Yes. But I mean, Dexter Lawrence, you guys are going to think I'm crazy for saying this. He might be the next Aaron Donald. He might be the next Aaron Donald. If you saw what he did, if you saw what he did to Quentin Nelson in that one game against the Colts, Quentin Nelson, in my opinion, I'm biased, but Quentin Nelson's the best guard in football right now. Dexter Lawrence took him and threw him down to sack the QB. Um, Played in all 16 games, 68 tackles, seven and a half sacks, seven tackles for loss, 28 quarterback hits from the nose tackle position, two forced fumbles, three three passes defended for 340-pound guy. Lawrence has never missed a game in his four-year career due to injury. He has never missed a game. Also, he had a two-sack game, Hank, which you and I were both in attendance uh, to against the Chicago Bears. He had two sacks in that game on Justin Fields, who was a mobile quarterback. So a 340-pound guy chasing down one of the quickest quarterbacks in the NFL. He's my number one for that reason. Those reasons. I like it. Again, it's Uh, like we said, one, we can't – like you've both made arguments for like number ones, like Hank with Thomas at one and and Tom, you would – Dexter at one like you're convincing me like it makes it like I totally understand your guys' argument for the top three top yeah, four and I, I really I, do. I get Barkley too um if you've yeah. if you asked a hundred people like rank these top four you're gonna get like everybody's gonna be you can might get 25 25 25 25 of like everybody has a different one Barkley one Thomas one Lawrence one Jones one you're gonna yeah. get yeah. even now with all the answers I think I really do that, that that's an awesome point too. Um, if we did do a survey, we'd probably get those four. Probably nobody else besides those four. Yeah, um, but, 
you mentioned uh, the tackle, by the way. I was looking at the Pro Bowl roster. Um, so I'm, I'll, if you want me to name the tackles, because uh, Trent Williams was number one. I'm looking like Laramie Tunsil, Teron Armstead, Deion Dawkins. Um, and then for that's the AFC Pro Bowl. But then uh, Lane Johnson, Tristan Wirfs, Penny Sewall, too. Honestly, I would put Thomas above him, for even for both tackles. I'd put Thomas at number two behind Williams. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, really I know, but still, I'm looking because I know there's a lot more options. It's on a there popularity. Still. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying, you no, know, the old pro is more important, but I was saying, like, looking at that, like, I'm trying to think, like, what other, because I needed a lot of lists of tackles. I'm like, who else would be on there? And I'm looking, mm-hmm. I'm like, Thomas is number two. He's got to be number two. Yeah. But, Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. And I think he's got a good chance to be number one next year if he keeps this up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up our show. Um, Fonz, we really appreciate you joining us. Um, before we let you hop off here, um, uh, where can people find Four Corners and your individual podcast, the Slickback Kickback Report? Well, first, I want to say, Tom and Hank, thank you guys so much uh, for letting me join on here, too. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Listen, uh, I didn't like the presentation. I'll do a part two maybe one day. I'll see what happens soon. I love doing these lists, too. And, Tom, Hank, I'm going to come back on next time. We're going to make a list of top ten giants that make us smile. And Barry Cofield might make an appearance on that list because, Tom, you saw my face. I was grinning ear to ear when I heard that name. So we got we to gotta do top ten giants that make us smile. But – uh, you check out Four Corners every Monday right here on Review and Preview. Uh, me, Mike, and then Albert Dono, we talk all things professional wrestling, WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan. A lot of stuff's been going on, too. A lot of great stuff uh, with us. So Four Corners, wherever you get like your podcast. If you're listening to it now, that's where we are. It's in the same feed. And my own personal podcast, the Slickback Kickback Report, new episodes every Wednesday. Uh, again, wherever you get your podcast, also on YouTube, Fonz Fago for the video versions. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Just had an email for the podcast, slickbackkickback at gmail.com. So if people want to reach out, have questions, want to ask me anything, they want like, you know, they want to be like, hey, if, if you guys like want ideas for content, what do you want me to talk about? You know, again, I want to interact with the fans. So slickbackkickback at gmail.com. I like interacting with people. Again, Fonz Falco on all my social medias. I'm a very simple guy with that. So not a lot of different names. So slickback kickback report, four corners. Fonz DeFalco, that's my clogs. Awesome. And thank you for being our third two-time guest this season for Big oh, Avenue. Um, also, happy birthday. I know you celebrated a birthday this week. So Yeah, the big old two, thank you, guys. The big 2-8. The big 2-8, uh, two more years to 30. It feels weird, but, you know, I think a lot of good things coming, you know, not not just for the brand itself, but everything with you guys, too, and review and preview. A lot of big things coming. 2023 is going to be a good year for all of us. I, I truly feel it. But thank you guys for the for the birthday wish. I really appreciate it. I was just about to say, you are officially the average age of an NFL player. Oh, look at that. Looks like my my uh, <laughs> my dreams of being a special teamer in the NFL are not is not going to come into fruition. Uh, this is your uh, Jabril Wilson year. Uh, oh, that might make oh that might make me smile. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh man, that makes me smile. Jabril. You know what's crazy this year? That's a good my, name. My 28th birthday is far off, but I turned 28 on the 28th this year. That's your golden birthday. It's the golden year. Uh, I, I guess so, right? That's what it is. Like 31st, like my 31st birthday is the golden year because January right. 31st. That's what it is. So look at that, Tom. We got a big celebration for your golden year. That's what we got to do. Tudo. I'm, 20, I'm 28 also. We're the average, we are the average age of an NFL player. It looks like our NFL dreams are uh, 
it's all right. Maybe I can try it one day, you know? Hmm. I don't mind to train Dexter Lawrence on how to, on how to break men to make a living the rugby style. <laughs> Dexter Lawrence on a rugby field is scary when you really think about it. <laughs> but, um, Fons, appreciate you. Uh, check the private chat before you go. I did. Um, good. But yeah. thank you so much. And Hank and I are going to do our thing and sign off. So thank you very much, Fons. No problem, guys. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. That was Fonz DeFalco from Four Corners and a Slickback Kickback Report uh, performing his punishment tonight. But, Hank, it's been a great season, and I know Sam's not here, but we just want to say one final message to our fans on Big Blue Avenue. Thank you. Because without you guys, this show would not be possible. Um, The live streams that we've done for the past 22 weeks have been for you guys. Um, We're now close to 450 YouTube subscribers which is awesome. Um, you know, we're going to be grinding out content throughout the off season. Hank, our giant historian, knowing all the stuff that happened back in the thirties and forties up until now, Sam, the creative mind, the one who designs all our graphics and logos and brings the tea every single week. Um, the fans, everyone, um, you know, I'm not going to single people out, but you guys know who you are everyone that supported us throughout the course of the season. We'll still be doing content during the off season. It'll just be exclusively on YouTube. And if you guys want reach out, which we may do an occasional live stream during the off season, just to keep us fresh a little bit. But um, Hank, any final parting words here? Um, just, I, I can't believe that the big blue Avenue live streams are already done for the season. It feels like it just started, but I cannot believe how far we've come this year. I mean, look, three years, like I said, I still can't – I still remember when Big Blue Avenue was just like a thought, and that was back when you and I were like stuck during quarantine, and we were like – I don't remember what it was. We were either naming random Giants legends or we were asking yeah. each other Giants trivia, but definitely something to pass the time, and who know, who knew it would turn into three seasons and more of Big Blue Avenue, mm-hmm. and I definitely am with Tom in – thanking the fans without you guys this show would not be possible but more importantly tom thank you so much for bringing me on board it has been such a fun ride and i don't know if she's watching but thanks to sam cardona as well for being another amazing co-host and just this has just been a lot of fun and it has been an it is still an honor to talk giants with both you guys on a weekly basis. I cannot wait to see the progress that our beloved New York football giants make next year. And look, don't know how long it'll be before we are truly super bowl contenders, but for the first time in a long time, I can say with confidence that the New York giants are headed in the right direction. And Hey, (laughs) SB loves you. Eagle. And I also have to agree with uh, Brian Natard's last sentence, LGR. Absolutely. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for that comment. Really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, screw the Eagles. Let's go, Chiefs. Uh, Cheers to 2023, Hank, and cheers to the next step. 
And ladies and gentlemen, one final time, if you want to check us out for all of our exclusive off-season content, make sure to check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at Big Blue Avenue, where we will be posting um, videos of draft prospects. We'll have some off-season content, uh, the contract uh, extensions when they happen, when free agency moves happen, we'll have it all there for you. But one final time, Hank, have a good night, everybody. And without further ado, let's go Big Blue.